Amen? We're continuing our sermon this morning. Hey, Jerry, come here for a second real quick. We're continuing our sermon this morning. We're continuing our service, our series this morning through Hebrews 11. So if you've got your Bible, you want to turn to Hebrews 11, we're going to be in Hebrews 11. We're going to be in Genesis as well, and a lot of Genesis, because, because the story that, that he, the author of Hebrews references is found in Genesis. We're going to be talking about Joseph this morning. I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22. It says this, by faith, Joseph... When he was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we get into your word, your word would get into us. As we get into your word, your word would get into us, that we would bear much fruit, fruit of righteousness, fruit of repentance, fruit of good works, and fruit of the Spirit, and that your word would accomplish everything you intend your word to accomplish in our lives today. And the church said, amen. Genesis chapter 50 is where we, we see this, this uh, uh, reference from the writer of Hebrews. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 19, it says this, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God, everybody say, but God, but God intended it to for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid. Then you must carry my bones up from this place. Joseph, in this moment, is remembering the future. There was an old uh, Christian rock song back in the 80s. It was called Remember the Future. Remember the future. What he said will be. Remember the future. Joseph, in this moment, is remembering the future. He remembers what the promise was, and he is holding on to the promise as if it were the reality that he could expect. Because let me tell you, church, the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. You can count on the promises of God to come to pass. And so Joseph is remembering his future. He's planning his exodus. He's planning his exodus from Egypt. I want to give you a little bit of Joseph's backstory this morning. Actually, it's a lot of Joseph's backstory. Joseph was one of 12 sons of Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. Now, jo- Joseph was Jacob's favorite son. Jacob loved Joseph, and, uh, and it showed. It, he, made, he even made him a coat that was, had many colors, and it was, it was given to Joseph, and his brothers were jealous of by this coat. His brothers were jealous of, of Jacob's uh, love and affection that he showed to Joseph that he didn't show to the other. There was a favoritism. There was a, there was a preferential treatment that Jacob showed to Joseph. Joseph's brothers did not like him because of this. Joseph also had dreams. Joseph was a dreamer. 
Joseph was a dreamer. One dream he had, and one of the dreams he interpreted as this, that his father, his father interpreted this dream this way, that all the members of Jacob's family would come and bow down before Joseph. His dad, his mom, his brothers, Joseph's, Joseph's dad heard this dream. was like, are you really telling me that we're all going to come and bow before you someday? Is that really what you're saying? Well, Joseph's brothers didn't like that dream. They didn't like the dreams, and they didn't like, they didn't like what his, uh, his dad would, would show preference for treatment. So, so his brothers, in their anger and in their jealousy, they devised a plan to get rid of Joseph. They devised a plan to get rid of their own brother. They were going to kill their brother, but one of the brothers instead convinced them not to kill him, but instead to sell him into slavery. And you thought you guys had, had sibling-like rivalry and fights. His brothers actually devised a plan to sell him into slavery. So they, they do that, they sell him into slavery, and they go back home to dad and tell dad that, that Joseph has been killed by a wild animal. Of course, Joseph, uh, J- Jacob weeps and is sorrowful and, is, and, is, and laments the death of his son, what he believes is the death of his son, of his son while his brothers rejoice. And they're like, yeah, it worked. We got rid of that old Joseph. Now we don't have to deal with his dreams anymore. We don't have to deal with his preferential treatment anymore. We got rid of that guy. Well, Joseph became a slave in Egypt to a guy named Potiphar. Potiphar was one of Pharaoh's chief officials. And Joseph was well respected in this house as this servant of Potiphar. Scripture also says that Joseph was was also, not only was he a slave in in this house, but also he was a a good-looking guy. And Potiphar's wife really found him attractive. And Potiphar's wife actually tried to seduce Joseph. Scripture says that Joseph actually ran out of Potiphar's house, out of the grip of Potiphar's wife, with leaving his clothes behind. Telling you. It was a trial, and it was a, it was a temptation for, for, for Potiphar, or for, for Joseph, but he fled. He fled that house, leaving his clothes behind. That's, that's, how, that's how engaged she was in trying to seduce him. He ran. He fled. He did not give in to what would have surely been easy for him to give into. But he fled. There's a, I'm going to make another music reference. There was a Christian punk band back in the day. And the, the title of their album was Run, Joseph, Run. And it was kind of funny because on the cover of the album, you could see a cartoon drawing of this. You couldn't see anything, but you could tell he was running, but he had no clothes on. Kind of funny. Run, Joseph, run. Run, Joseph, run. Well, Potiphar's wife tells Potiphar 
that Joseph came in to sexually assault her, but that she screamed and that he fled, which could be a believable story. She had the clothes. She was Potiphar's wife. He was just a servant. Well, Potiphar then, of course, is furious about this. At the story he had been told by his wife, and he has Joseph arrested, and Joseph is placed into prison. Joseph was just doing what he needed to do. Joseph was just being the man of character and the man of integrity that he was supposed to be, and he ended up in prison. He was the man that he was supposed to be when he was living with his, with his father and his brothers. He was a man of, of character, a man who had dreams. He stole into slavery. Now he's a man of character and integrity, ends up in prison. You know the saying, good guys always finish last, right? You've heard that before. Being and doing what is right doesn't always mean that you won't have trouble. As we were reading in our daily readings, I am, and, and sharing with you on Facebook, through uh, Facebook Live Bible reading videos that we do. We're seeing in this week in, in, in Romans chapter 8, one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture, beautiful chapters. You can read Romans 8 every day and, and just be ready to shout. But Romans 8 says that, that we have been adopted as sons and daughters, and if, and if adopted as the sons of God, then we are heirs with Christ, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, and that we will... If we are, we will, we will be glorified with him, provided we suffer with him. And then it says the glory that is yet to be revealed doesn't compare to the suffering. Or the suffering that we experience now doesn't compare to the glory that is yet to be revealed. Doing what is right, being the person that God has called you to be, isn't always easy and doesn't always make every step sometimes hard and sometimes comfortable. But if you suffer now, you will be glorified then. So, Potiphar puts Joseph in prison. While, while Joseph is in prison, Joseph interprets two of the prisoners' dreams. Meanwhile, Pharaoh is having dreams of his own, Right? And he's having these dreams that no one can interpret. And Pharaoh is frustrated, and Pharaoh is searching for someone who will be able to, to interpret these dreams, someone who can come and tell him what they mean. Well, Pharaoh's cupbearer, he had actually been in prison with Joseph, actually had one of his dreams interpreted by Joseph. See, even in the prison, God was preparing a place. Even in the prison, God was preparing provision to lead to promise. The cupbearer who had been in prison with Pharaoh, with Joseph goes to Pharaoh and says, Hey, I know this, there was this guy, I was in prison with him. He, I had these dreams, the, the baker had dreams, we had dreams, and, and we, we couldn't figure them out. We would, Joseph told us immediately what those dreams would be. Pharaoh's like, bring me this Joseph guy. So Joseph is summoned to, to Pharaoh. He's quickly brought out of the pit, the scripture says. 
and he is given to Pharaoh, and he interprets Pharaoh's dreams. And because of the interpretation of, Je- of Joseph, of Pharaoh's dreams, a plan is implemented to prepare Egypt against the famine. It's going to be seven years of, 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 of abundance and then seven years of famine. That's the, what was interpreted by the dream. And then it comes to pass. It actually happened. Well, because Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream, Pharaoh promotes Joseph to second in command in all of Egypt. You can actually find inscribed on one of the Pharaoh's tombs an inscription regarding Joseph. So Joseph was exalted to this second in command, and, and then famine comes. And because of Joseph's, Joseph's interpretation, there is food during the seven years of famine. But also because of this famine in the land, Joseph's brothers who are back in Canaan, all of Canaan is affected by this famine. And so Joseph's brothers say, we got, we got to go to Egypt. We got to try to get some grain. We got to try to get some food. So they head to Egypt to purchase grain. Well, Joseph sees them, but they don't recognize him. And Joseph's brothers return home. Well, eventually Joseph devises a plan. I'm trying to give you this story this morning. Eventually Joseph devises a plan to have his brothers summoned before him. And they don't recognize him at first. But after Joseph reveals himself to them, there, there, there is much weeping and, 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 and hugging and, and sorrow and, and even rejoicing. But the brothers are afraid that Joseph's going to punish them because of what they did to him by selling him into slavery. But Joseph, instead of punishing them, he blesses them and he asks them to bring his father. He wants to see his father. So Joseph's father... And brothers, they leave Canaan and his mother, and they settle in Goshen eventually. Several years have passed, and the famine is still severe. And Joseph's brothers return again to try to get some food in Egypt. They had settled from Canaan to Goshen. Now they're headed to Egypt to get some food. After selling all their livestock and everything they have, there's nothing left for them to sell but to sell their own land in Goshen and enter into servitude in Egypt. And Goshen actually becomes part of Egypt then. They prospered in Goshen now, but eventually Jacob dies and he blesses his sons. We talked about that last week. Joseph has his father embalmed, as would be the custom in Egypt. taken to Egypt to be mourned. They actually mourned in Egypt. They mourned the death of Jacob for 70 days because Jacob was Joseph's father. Jacob then is then returned and buried in the land of his fathers in the promised land. Joseph's brothers, though, are still concerned now that daddy's dead. They're still concerned about being repaid evil for their evil against Joseph. They're still afraid, oh, now that dad's gone, what's Joseph going to do to us? He was nice to us when dad was alive. Dad, he, was, he was dad's favorite, he, so, so he was nice to us. But now that dad's dead, what's Joseph 
going to do to us. And they were afraid. It's in this moment, if you've got your Bible, Genesis chapter 15, verse 19, Genesis 15, verse 19, it's in this moment that Joseph utters one of the most beautiful and powerful statements in Scripture. Genesis chapter 15, verse 19, verse 19 it says this, 50, 19. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and sold into slavery by you. God allowed me to be thrown into a pit. God allowed me to be sold into slavery. God allowed me, allowed me to, be, to be thrown into prison unjustly. God allowed me to have all that happen to me so that I would be in the right place at the right time so God could accomplish what God wanted to accomplish, not just in me, but for all of you. in your life. It was not just for him to be, to be sold into slavery. It was not just for him to have to be taken into prison. Those were injustices against him. But he said, okay, God, if this is what it takes, I'm still going to be faithful. And what did God do? God brought justice in the end. God brought justice in your life this morning. You may be going through a season that is not fair, it seems. You may be going through a season that is hard and difficult. You may feel like you're in the pit with Joseph or in the prison with Joseph, but let me tell you, if you are in God's will, God will exalt you in due season. too busy looking for God to bless us to recognize that sometimes it's in the it's in the dungeon where God is preparing us to bless others. Our focus is so self-centered so often that when we don't receive the blessing, we don't recognize that maybe God's trying to be a blessing to us. And when we have to delay, we don't Appreciate that you know what? Perhaps God has a better plan than what I can see now. So let's preach. Let's get into it. First thing we see 
is that Joseph lived and died, and we're going to get there in a second. Joseph lived and died as a man of integrity, favored by God. There is so much that we can look at in this passage, um, in this story. There are so many things that we can look at. But I want to take a few moments this morning and unpack what the writer of Hebrews uh, leaves for us. Twenty seconds. Okay. First thing is this: is that Joseph forgave. We're not going to get into this a lot because because the writer of Hebrews pulls out some other things that are, that, that that we want to focus on. But first of all, is that Joseph forgave. Joseph did not consider himself the judge. Joseph would let God sort out the vengeance. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30 says, For we know him who said, It's mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Forgiveness, church. Forgiveness. Understand that ultimately God will judge the sin. Forgiveness doesn't mean agree with the sin, nor the sinner, but it means accepting that God will be the ultimate judge for their eternal Forgiveness means releasing the consequences of their sinful behavior to God. Now, sometimes in forgiveness, sometimes in a sin against you, you there, there's broken fellowship because the person isn't repentant. The person isn't willing to, to change. The person isn't even maybe willing to ask forgiveness or to admit that they, were, that they sinned against you. You can forgive them without being reconciled to them. We see expressions of that in in Scripture. Forgiveness then does not always does not always bring reconciliation because both parties have to agree and both and, and the one who has sinned has to repent so reconciliation may not be possible this person may not even change reconciliation may not be possible but you can still forgive because you can leave it up to God to be the arbiter of justice in their life. So Joseph forgave. Joseph's family we see here, Joseph's family was concerned about their future. You ever feel unsure about your future? Do you ever question God and say, why is this happening to me right now, God? I think Joseph probably questioned that as well. God, why is this happening? I was just doing what you called me to do. I was just being who, who you created me to be. Why is this happening? I know he felt alone at times. He didn't know what to do at times. You ever been there? I have. 
how Joseph's family feels that way because they're facing a famine. What are we going to do? How are we going to provide for our family? How are we going to eat? for a minute now. I want us to, to, to dig in here. Joseph Joseph trusted in the promise of God. Joseph trusted in the promise of God. That's the, that's the next point. If you're taking notes, that's it. Joseph trusted in the promise of God. Look at verse 24 now, let's finish chapter 50. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die. But God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. to this, he says, by faith when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. Genesis chapter 50, verse 24, then Joseph said, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Joseph remembered the promise and trusted God that God would fulfill the promise he made. And he looks at his brothers who are scared and, and, and don't understand how they're going to survive. They're freaking out. They're, they're afraid. They're, they, they're, they're hoping. And, and now they're, 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 their brother Joseph, the one who has provided for them and, and helped them and, and, and been with them through all of this, he's about to die and they don't know what they're going to do. And Joseph says, the God who promised to Abraham the land will break you back and he will provide for you and he will be your God and you will serve him and he will make sure that you are cared for. He reminded his brothers of the promise. Did you hear that? In Egypt, Joseph reminded his brothers of the promise. Egypt, remind yourself of the promise. When you are in a season of, of famine or a season of oppression or a, a season of it feels like unanswered prayer, remind yourself of the promise. Even in your Egypt, God has promised that you will be kept in his hand. Joseph believed that even though he was dying, that God would deliver his people out of Egypt. A new Pharaoh was coming to power. This Pharaoh wasn't friendly to the Israelites. 
this new line of, of, of Pharaoh saw them as obstacles to his own power. He, he was afraid that they would take over the land and rule it themselves. And eventually this new Pharaoh puts Israel to work as slaves. Joseph obviously saw the warning signs of harsh treatment that was to come to his nation. And he was letting them know that even in the days and the years and the decades to come, do not forget this promise. Church, even in the days and the weeks and the years and even the decades, do not forget. not slow as we consider faith. God keeps His word. He was letting them know God keeps His word. Joseph knew that being in Egypt could not compare with the blessing of being where God wants him to be. This Egypt was a land of prosperity. Even after the famine, they were able to navigate through the famine. They were a place of prosperity. But it wasn't where God had promised them. And had they not become slaves in Egypt, they would have never learned to despise settled in Egypt instead of taking Joseph gave them these final instructions. He said, don't leave me here in Egypt. <laughs> he said, don't leave me in here in Egypt. When God delivers you, you take me with you. Joseph was holding on to the promise that was given to his grandfather, Abraham. Joseph knew, listen, Joseph knew that while Egypt was a temporary land of provision, it wasn't the permanent land of promise. And even if he was dead and it was just his bones, he was going to go back to the land of promise because he knew that's where God had called him. Don't leave me here in Egypt. When God delivers you, you take me with you. You take me with you. You take me with you. Some of you in this place this morning, some of you, you feel like Joseph. You feel like you're just bones in a coffin. You feel like you don't have anything to do, anywhere to go, that it's done, that you've, you've tried and you've tried, and the, and the promise hasn't come, and you're just dead. 
You're dead in your Egypt. Listen to me, church. There are some people, you need to grab them, grab them by the hand, grab them by their bones, and drape them to the land of promise with you. Bring them into the land of promise with you. Say, we're going together. We're going together. You may feel like you can't do it. You may feel like you can't keep going. You may feel like you've had enough, that you're just bones and bones and bones. But come on, we're going to the promise together. I'm going to have to put you in a coffin and carry you. We are going to the promise together. We're not giving up. Joseph knew that while Egypt was temporary land of provision, it was a temporary land of provision. It was not the permanent land of promise. God is faithful to provide in the moment while he prepares us for the eternal. I said God is faithful to to provide in the moment while he prepares us for the eternal. Don't get comfortable in the provision when you could be anticipating the promise. Don't become attached to the current provision that you desire the provision more than the promise of the provider. We see even after Israel is is set free from this land of oppression and this land of slavery, this land of Egypt, we see them, they're excited to be out of there for a while, and then they miss the wine and the cheese and the bread and the grain and the food and the cattle. And while they're making their way to the promised land, we'll get there. But while they're making their way to the promised land, they begin to grumble against the promise and long for the provision of the past. Don't get comfortable in the provision of the past. If you aren't willing to whatever it takes to get to the promise of the provider. Joseph, even though Joseph had seen great abundance, even though Joseph had seen great wealth, even though Joseph had seen great power and authority, Joseph said, this is not my home. This is not my home. This is not the place of promise. Even in Egypt, Joseph was living for a moment. Longing for another moment. He did everything he could to help Egypt, to help his brothers, he did it not as an Egyptian. He did it as a son. Because he knew the promise was greater than the past. Band can come back.
like that this morning. I want to invite you to begin to allow yourself to trust God in your Egypt, but to not give up. Trust God in your Egypt, but recognize that if God has you in an Egypt, it's because God is wanting to use you in that Egypt. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this people. I ask, Lord Jesus, for those this morning that may feel like they have been in an Egypt and begin to wonder how long it's going to be before they are out of Egypt. Or maybe they even just begin to become complacent in their Egypt. I pray, God, right now that you would encourage them and that you would remind them, God, that in Jesus there is hope
prison. I'm not going to get comfortable in, in the provision.